and your puppy seems to be slapping <laughs> you. The puppy's taking hold. That's exactly what's going on. The motor mouth, the motor mouth, it can't be stopped. And that's a great way to jump into the 95th episode of the Overclocked ZA podcast. I'm Lindsay Shooters. And I'm Gavin Dudley. ADSL, man, deferred to the 1st of December and not um, 1st of September, which was supposed to be today. What do we make of it? ADSL, man. It's like now that I've moved on to fiber, ADSL just feels like the dark ages. And yet, I would be delighted if more of the country could just get wired up. Um, I don't know. I think ADSL is going to continue to be a pain in the ass generally. It's unreliable. And the reason it's unreliable is because of the ancient copper network we're running on. I think we must do as we've done so many times and completely leapfrog past their technology, go to mobile broadband and roll with that, you know? What do you think? Yeah, I am an ADSL survivor as of like three, (laughs) four months, five months now, I think I'm going. 2020 has been like the longest year in existence. We are Uh, only, uh, it feels like, oh, we've been at this like forever. But yes, I am an ADSL survivor because they keep stealing the copper cables that come into our area. We are probably never going to get fiber out the side. So I'm all in on LTE. Rain, thank you very much. You have taken your money from me for this month, so I have another month of your brilliant service. Uh, yeah, ADSL just uh, the, for me, what I found very unreliable was the upload speed. Um, so, like, we didn't even get VDSL here, the fastest we could get was 20 megs per second ADSL, and then you know that upload speed of one megabit per second trying to commit connect to a remote server is near impossible with those sorts well, of I put it to you. I put it to you that the vast majority of South African consumers are not really uploading. Their version of uploading is like a Facebook post. You know, when we <laughs> upload, we upload like gigabytes of video at a time and stuff like yeah. that. You know, for most people, it's a relationship of at least 10 to 1, the amount they download versus what they upload. I would say that some people, it's more like 100 to 1. For us, it's more like 5 to 1. You know, for every 5 gigs we download, we end up uploading a, a gig to the cloud of pictures and multimedia and stuff this is an interesting conversation actually this is a really really interesting topic because i've been talking with like my daughter for instance so she wants to watch youtube on a tablet and then one day i was like you know what what are you actually watching on youtube and she tells Mm -hmm. us like all these vlog things like the ace family and the lebrand family and i'm like my angel you have you are very fortunate to have access to a slightly old um secondhand um ipad pro and mm-hmm. that you have a lot of computing power in a very small package. And for you to not use that to create something, uh-huh. if you're just consuming on that kind of device, like that, that is just like it, it, you need to change that relationship. Like most people need I to change. I agree with state. you 100%. There's a big, uh, cognitive gap between consuming media and contributing and creating media. Some of it's about finding your voice. Some of it's about expressing yourself. Some of it's about contributing to society, whatever it is. But I think, you know, you just the passive consumption of media when you're sitting on with such advanced tools is a problem. I mean, I can understand why some people might not want to participate in the cut and thrust of social media necessarily, Mm. you know, um, but I still think it's almost irresponsible to have a voice and not use it, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And like for me, as also, you say, if you are consuming, then at least let it work for you. Like learn skills, like do something with that consumption that's actually positively contributing to your life yeah. instead of just it's, 
watching other people show you how privileged they are. You know? Yeah, it's that, it's that idiom that perhaps our parents may have laid on us, which is, there are children starving in Africa, you better eat your peas kind of thing. <laughs> it's the same thing, you know, there are children all around this country with no broadband and not even any mobile phones. You should be, you know, using your services. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. I was talking to one of my uh, cousins, his teenage daughter, I think she's like 18 now, um, and she's waiting to do some rewrites for like a matric exam and stuff. And they were saying that they're finally getting fiber into the area and they're like on the mm -hmm. list now and how awesome it's going to be. And she was saying that she gets five gigs of mobile data per month and she uses mm -hmm. that up in like two, three days. And I was like, wow, I get 10 gigs a month and I thought I was going through it at a steady clip. What are True. you doing? No, just TikTok and Instagram. Like, well, those are the yeah. two biggest hogs of data because it's like auto playing sure. videos and all those sorts of things. But then I was like, what are you getting out of that? Like what, mm -hmm. what are you actually, instead of just watching streams and streams and streams of TikTok, like, are you getting yeah. clicks? Are you getting likes? Are you actively like promoting yourself on the, are you creating? Yeah, are content? you sharing back? Yeah. yeah. Or are you <laughs> passively consuming? Like, yeah, you yeah. can't just have a one way flow. You're spending yeah. a lot yeah. of money. That is a lot of data. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, mm. these are two old people shouting at <laughs> the cloud. <laughs> <of them. laughs> yeah, I'm dragging you down into my into my uh, what's it, grumpy old men idiom. Shakes his stick at the conversation <laughs> that we need to have, and it's a conversation that yeah. we need to change, um, or at least alter the narrative, especially with younger people. Because yeah, you you can't just waste money. That that's what they want you to do. Like if COVID yeah, has sure. taught us anything, it's that those business models cannot exist anymore. Okay. On the other hand, you know, not everybody's a sharer, you know. <laughs> uh, like you said, if you're then going to be a passive consumer, make it constructive at least. Constructive mm. and let it feed your creativity at least. Don't don't let it turn you into an, a blithering idiot. Yeah. Okay, but we can. But what are what are these new dates? What are the new dates for ADSL? Um, uh, how does it work? The first of December. Um, Open okay. server is going to be cutting off its copper network, its ADSL network in select areas. You can go over to mybroadband.co.za. They have a brilliant story up on it right now. But then moving into some new product, Gavin. Gavin, mm -hmm. the DJI Osmo Mobile smartphone gimbal is no longer the Osmo Mobile. It is now just the OM4. The fourth generation <laughs> is called the OM4. It is the Osmo Mobile 3, but now it has the clamp is a magnetic thing. And you kind of just leave it on your phone so that it's always perfectly balanced. Because that's that's actually the thing they never tell you about a gimbal. Like be it a gimbal for a proper camera, like a mirrorless camera, or be it a smartphone gimbal. Every time you stick your phone on that thing, you have to balance it so that it works properly. And having the clamp sit on your phone all the time in that sweet spot where you've balanced it is just, it will speed up your workflow. And there's, you know, those little phone ring things um, that yeah, people yeah. used to not or at least everyone uses to not drop yeah, yeah, the yeah. absurd NASA phones. Now there's a thing like that as well. You just stick it onto like your phone case or something, and then that magnetically attaches to the thing. The form factor hasn't changed, but yeah, that just makes it better, I think. Do we still so need it hold, smartphone? It holds, it, so it, holds, it holds the phone in place magnetically, is that what you're saying? Yes. So before yes. it used to have like a claw grip around the sides of the phone, yeah. and now the it's claw just grip magnetic. magnetic. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, yeah. Maybe you should just explain what a gimbal is for people who don't speak the speak the language. <laughs> so it's a it's a stabilizer for your phone. So if you're taking like video 
Um, you put it in this thing, and it's got three axes. Uh, it allows the flow to, to sort of float freely, but stay level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and stay smooth. So you get that smooth footage of like action shots and everything. But with phones like the Vivo X50 Pro, I think you got a unit this week, Gavin? Yes. Uh, it's a long story. It's at my office. I haven't been able to pick it up. <laughs> okay. Long but story. That, actually, one of its big selling points is the main camera has its own gimbal. So it has like this excellent optic stabilization system. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Impressive. Yeah, I mean, gimbals are very much the the sort of video specialist kind of environment. It's like a hassle. It's a piece of gear you need to cart around with you. You're only going to actually have it on hand if you're like someone who takes their videoing very seriously. It's not for casual users, I wouldn't say. And it's pretty pricey too, I'm going to guess. Eh? Um, yeah, I think it's coming this side at like two grand, one eight. Uh, they've actually no, been... It's less than I Products come in at a good price. Um, but the thing that I use it most for, because I have Osmo Mobile 3, is um, to film myself. So it has all those like awesome smart track. So it'll automatically track you. And then you just like hold up a peace sign to it. And then it the, flashes the camera twice to say that it's working. And then it will track you in space, like wherever you move. Oh, but I if, see. It, it keeps the focal area on you, even as yeah. you move around inside the frame. It yeah. stays on you. So okay. That, that's like the biggest use that I have for it. And then to get like those awesome, like slow-mo, like B-roll shots, like those tricky little camera angles and like different pans and like moving out from a, a, a product or something, like just getting some interesting dynamic video for, for like my YouTube stuff that is on. That opinion guy. Um, just search for it on YouTube. I got a couple You're of good videos. You're such a there. pro, Lindsay. You're such a <laughs> pro. And in fact, you had much more fun with these with these new um, action cams than I did. I just got, I did the basics, you know, I got an understanding yeah. of how they work, but you really went a lot further and actually shot some proper videos and stuff. Is that right? So yeah, why don't you tell us about your experience there? Yeah, I went, I took it out to the beach, me and my homie, Calvin Fisher, we were on our bikes on the Bloberg um, coastline. And yeah, it was pretty cool. So the, of the things that we had, we had oh, the... Hang on a second. So there, were, there, was a, there was a whole clutch of products, right? They yeah. were three three cameras and then a couple of accessories all together right yeah so that yeah. was the insta 360 one r um that's okay. like a modular gopro sort of camera so you can get a 360 camera module for it or the one that is equipped on this one is the one inch sensor which is like a really really wow. high quality like a tuned camera sensor so it's like this it's it's just awesome. And the one thing that I love about besides for it being modular, so you can like flip the screen around to face you. Um, you can flip in obviously the different camera modules as well. But the one thing I love about it is that this camera has actually improved over time with its software from when it launched to now it's gained the ability to sync with Bluetooth headsets. So you can use like a remote microphone almost. Um, you can yeah, it's, it's got different shooting modes now. It has a lovely linear style so that you can get that nice um, anamorphic look. So that it's like a two by one kind of crop. Um, you know, that uh -huh. lovely cinematic wide angle one um, with yeah. very minimal distortion on it. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just a crazy good camera. It's USB-C. You can plug in like external microphones on it. It's just a, a really well thought out product that's just continuously improving. Then there is on the 360 camera side, there was the new Ricoh Theta S2. Um, but the one thing that was really interesting was something called the KuCam. So it's a, by a company called Candao. K-A-N-D-A-O. It's Chinese. 
everything on the box is in very bad broken English. You go onto the website <laughs> to download the app, which you download as an APK on Android phones, and everything on the website is in Chinese. So it's like, what is going on? I only knew because I recognized the download like little box. Um, yeah, that thing is such a powerful 360 camera. Shoots in 8K um, as its main setting with 10-bit color, or you can dial that down to 4K at 120 frames per second, also with 10-bit color. So that's like Dolby HDR sort of stuff. It's 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 an incredible thing, but it is so loud when you're going through the menus. Like the fans just spool up all the time. Uh, but yeah, like really good quality. And yeah, that's 360 cams are like one of my new favorite things because you can adjust the framing um, of the, the video throughout that whole 360 view, which is awesome. Yeah, I, I remember when the first 360 cams came out, I actually went to a lot of trouble to film some really interesting stuff and really mm -hmm. enjoyed it. And I thought, this is actually beyond a novelty. There's quite a lot more to this. You can actually really have properly immersive experiences. And then, you know, they started developing them so that you could experience them without goggles and without headsets. You could actually just see them, see them in a browser window. And then they started supporting them on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. it became so much easier to consume those 360 videos. And um, I'm glad that there's some bit more competition into the market now. It started, I think, with Samsung and one or two others. They've gone very quiet on the 360 video thing. Even um, uh, GoPro has gone a bit quiet on their 360 offering so yeah. now we have the insta and the can do um the insta 360 one r with the one inch sensor i've got a price here of twelve thousand four hundred. yeah and the candeo kucam the 8k one that you were talking about i've got a price here of fifteen thousand five hundred. so it ain't yeah. cheap it's priced a little bit above the gopro but you say you've had excellent experiences and probably worth it for the quality uh, yeah, so what what I sometimes assist on like a lot of um, shoots for like TV car shows um, on Latvia. Um, I, I assist on a lot of those shoots, and we actually use the Insta 360 One X, which is kind mm. of their flagship um, 360 camera. And the Candeo, uh, we tested it head to head against that camera as well, and it gave very similar um, results uh, with the ability to then step up in quality. Um, and get that higher resolution so that you can like maybe frame your your chosen image like a little bit better because you have all that resolution to punch in on. Um, so it just opens up so much more opportunities for you to get like killer footage and different like interesting angles. And there, it's just that the software is lagging a little bit now. Like the you have to connect to the thing via the Wi-Fi connection, um, and there isn't really a slick editing workflow yet especially for like the 8k 360 stuff yeah, i know no i mean software that can handle that yet editing 8k video is notoriously difficult and but what you were describing there is the much vaunted ability to crop into an 8k yeah. video is that right yeah so yeah. the point of shooting 8k is so that you can actually select your prime shot after the fact yeah 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 and you mm. can like zoom in on things which then takes us neatly into what i just jumped off of which was the live stream for the Samsung Unpack. Can I, can I interrupt you one second? I just yes. want to say that the products are available from a new company, which we've barely heard of before, but they're trying to make a claim for themselves now. The company is called 180 by 2. That's the number 180, the word by, B-Y, and the number 2. 180 by 2. 
And if you go there, you can check out the KuCam and the Insta360 series that they have on sale and check out the prices and the accessories. Sorry, Lindsay, for cutting you off there. Right. So Samsung Stream, right. Yes. The Samsung Z Fold 2 is live, Gavin. Woo! <laughs> Three orders open. Okay. If you don't know, the Fold came out last year. Um, flexible glass thing. It's a, it has a screen on the outside as well. That screen is now bigger and better. Um, it's the folding, and you open, Samsung folding phone, not yes, the clamshell phone, the folding phone, yeah. The folding phone, the second iteration of it, has got the top-end specs right now, films, has the ability to shoot in 8K, has the S20 slash Note 20 cameras on it as well, and now it has a hole-punch selfie camera, 10 megapixel, also capable of shooting 4K60, um, and coming at you on the 7th of September for pre-orders and 24th of September for actual, like, going to the store and buy it for 50,000 rand, Kevin. Right. Well, we better get in the queue quickly. I'm sure they're going to sell out immediately. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll, it's still shocking that people have 50k to spend on a phone. The last one was like 42k. I thought, surely this time around... They will have, you know, they must be closer to actually going into proper production. They would actually bring it down to maybe like an attainable 30K or something. Not a chance. They doubled down. It's gone up to 50K. I mean, yeah. I looked at it. I still don't feel they've made a very strong case for the tablet phone. Yeah. I'm still backing the uh, gatefold kind of phone. The, the Microsoft, the, the Microsoft, what's it, the Duo? Oh, the Surface Duo, yeah. Surface, the Microsoft Surface Duo, which is a a, two, a double screen phone, and then all the LG variants, the V60 and the G8X and so on, that come with the, the separate cover with the, the second yeah. screen option there, supplied free of charge when you buy the phone. Um, I'm still backing the dual screen versus the single unified screen. I understand why a single fold open screen is attractive for video, for having a nice big desktop surface area, mm. but I actually think at a practical you know, I mean, what's going to happen? You're now looking at this, this kind of tablet screen, and a call comes in. So what do you do now? You know, you, you take it on the speakerphone. What do you do? You know, you fold it up again. I don't know. You take it Maybe. on your on your on your buds plus or your Galaxy buds <laughs> live, Evan. <laughs> which you're which you're now wearing which you're now wearing 24/7 because that's the plan. Yeah, yeah I'll tell you, man. That, that's like... the plan. Ear computers for life. Um, let's just take you through a couple of other things. So the internal display is now. Of the 120 hertz flavor, so high refresh rate. So I can just hear my battery going down there. And, and <laughs> now apparently a proper glass internal folding display as well. So in Gorilla Glass Victus on the outside, and then proper ultra thin folding glass, which they co-developed with Corning as well on the inside. And the last one was glass, wasn't it? The last one was uh, glass no. too, wasn't it? It was a plastic thing, and there was like this foam, and then there was all the things oh, about the, the first foam batch. Oh, the came off it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All mm. that stuff. So now it's proper glass. Um, 5G capable, obviously, because it's a flagship Samsung phone. Mm. So sure. here's my call now. It is important to have 5G and 120 hertz um, refresh rate if you want to do that Microsoft um, xCloud or you want to do server-side gaming at like high refresh rates, this is going to become a thing that you need. I put it to you, sir, that if you're spending 50,000 Rand on a phone, you probably don't have a whole lot of time for gaming. <laughs> but, I, but I hear you on 5G is going to be the gaming platform going forward. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. 5G um, and 120 hertz display. 
So you can do mm. like side gaming. That's for me. That's the only hook, really. Um, other things that they announced on the South African stream: uh, the QLED 8K um, TV. I didn't get a price on that though. Um, AI upscaling to 8K. Samsung has been number one in the TV market for the last 14 years. Active yeah. voice notification. Blah blah blah. It's a coming in at 75 and 85 inches. That's a lot of. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, who has a lounge that size anyway? I mean, that lounge is the size of my whole house, you know, if you've got a 75-inch TV in there, you know. Yeah. Because there's... to watch a 75-inch TV adequately, you need to sit like five meters back, really, you know, <laughs> which means your lounge is probably 10 meters big, <laughs> which is, you know, hectic. Uh, okay. Then they also okay, maybe I'm just being... The Odyssey Sorry, go ahead. G9 ultra-wide gaming monitor, Gavin. Which is, mm. it's got a 1,000R curve. I don't yeah. know what. And I've seen this thing. It is beautiful. Field of view. So fully immersive. Bloody hell, Kevin. <laughs> what is yeah. going on? <laughs> I, have, I have seen these things. I mean, it really is. One of my kids has got a large curved monitor for their gaming. And it really is hell of a impressive, actually. You know. That's uh, you could a gamer, though. I think it, I don't know if it makes you any better as a gamer, but I think it really gives you like the heightened experience. But what all is he playing price, on? This is what I want to know. What is he playing on? Uh, games. Oh, gosh. Good question. A lot of Call of Bloody Duty. Not Call of Duty. Um, what's it called? Uh, CSGO, uh, Counter Strike Global Operations, okay. or whatever it's called. Yeah. That's um, like a which is that game is like 20 years old. It gets updated in all these increments and somehow remains the benchmark for testing gaming hardware, even though the game's like 20 years old. Yeah. It wasn't even a game to start off with. It was actually spun out of another game, you know? Yeah. So, um, but um, you, you touched on the subject of mobile data there, which led me to thoughts about Cell C. And we've had all this awkward Cell C news emerging in fits and starts. Lay it on me, because um, they're the only guys now who don't have a, a 5G network. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not, I'm not surprised, given by the kind of news I'm hearing. So it started, well, it actually started before this, but the first time I started taking notice was at the beginning of August, when Celsius' new majority shareholder, which is called Blue Label Telecoms, a very big investment firm, um, announced that Celsi will be defaulting on a $184 million debt repayment. That's $184 million, okay, debt repayment, defaulting and not going to be able to make its payments at the beginning of August. Okay, then the next thing I heard was that Celsi was closing down 128 of its stores. And from that, about 540-odd people were losing their jobs just from the stores. Then I get an update that a further 960 people are being laid off from Celsius, in addition to the 540 from the stores. And then we hear that um, they're trying to recapitalize the company for the fourth time. So Blue Label Telecoms, who bought the company, bought the majority stake only a little while ago, like a, bit, a year and a bit ago, for $5.5 billion, it now has rated that stake as zero. In other words, it's written it off as zero and it's hoping the company will recover so its stake of 5.5 billion rand which turned into zero in one year can be recovered because very few companies can afford to take a 5.5 billion rand loss you know when they're an investment company essentially anyway so they're recapitalizing one of the problems is that there are so many stakeholders in celsi i think mm. 
there's a Middle Eastern a Middle Eastern consortium, a Chinese consortium, then there's South Africa and the Blue Label Telecoms, and you know, just getting an agreement between all these people when they their debts are $184 million is pretty serious. So then the, the nail in the coffin was that Cell C has now dropped from third place behind Vodacom and MTN to fourth place behind Telcom. Telcom started its mobile offering like probably 15 years after Cell C and Telcom has passed them in, you know, in less than 10 years kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, Telcom is now the third biggest mobile service provider with 12 million customers, and Cell C has lost 25% of its customers over the last year to 11.8 million. So, you know, that's just very distressing. We see a company in distress here from defaulting on its loans, laying off people in closing stores, um, to dropping its position in the market. Now, the reason this is important for you, O consumer, it's not because you care what happens to Celsi or necessarily care what happens to its people. What you care about is how the cellular communications environment is going to be affected by this. Because studies done elsewhere in Africa show that what you need is a minimum of five players in the market for a healthy competitive market. Because what mm. happens if you have more than four players, you can't get collusion. In other words, they can't all agree on things and then make out like that's going to be the interconnect rate, for example. Yeah. You need five players in order to prevent collusion in the market. And then, for example, you know, ganging up on Samsung or ganging up on whoever. So mm. you need a, a healthy number of players. We've only had four, and now one of them is basically being squeezed out. So that's not a healthy competitive environment for South Africans, I, yeah. I feel. So you want to keep an eye on that, okay? Just remember that Celsius' demise will ultimately affect you fundamentally as a consumer. That's all. All yeah, right, that's so my story. Let's, let's, let's catalog Celsius' missteps in the past couple of years, Gavin. Um, mm. There was a time where a person I know who worked at Celsius' head office, um, she had not been paid for two months. And in Whoa. these two months, Celsius had taken out, you know, those, those fake cover ads where you like take over the entire outside cover of a newspaper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're called, they're called the wraparounds or something yeah. like that. Yeah, okay. So Celsi had taken out that across all of the independent newspapers in the country. And if they were like spending that sort of bank on marketing, um, and that was like still when, when old Not Craig, before he, <laughs> his, 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 um, med, his health problems med like took crisis. out of the game. Yeah, yeah. When he tried I, know to... you don't, I know you don't like Not Craig, okay? <laughs> Despite being a Vodacom slave, a Vodacom lackey. Like, okay, I think, I think he tried the right thing there. I think he tried to prove that building Vodacom wasn't just a flash in the pan. Alan Not Craig Sr. came in to rescue Celsi about two, maybe three years ago, I think. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, it's not that I don't like him. I just, I don't, I don't think he, I, I think he gets too much credit for his business savvy. Like when he came in with Vodacom, um, the advertising market was there. It had an appetite for that sort of thing. And they hit on something that was just catchy enough. It was the, the underpants guy, um, the, the Speedo guy. And then it moved into the, the Meerkat thing. And like all those forms of advertising and like consumer relations, that was just kind of starting to take hold. And then it just kind of snowballed from there and they built that entire brand on strong marketing. You couldn't okay, do that with Cell C. 
Sure. So, I mean, the, the thinking was that in order to be viable, you need a 25% market share. Yeah. And Celsi just could not get to 25% market share. At that level, you have more leverage when you're buying handsets from Samsung and LG yeah. and Huawei. You know, you have numbers behind you. When your market share is too small, you're always on the back foot in those negotiations, yeah. in everything. You know, you can't build out your 4G network properly. You just don't have the yeah. resources to do it. Oh, and you I can't justify one. it because you don't have enough users. Okay, but but go back to the person who wasn't getting paid for two months. Um, yeah, this this was like wild. They were putting out all these ads when they had that like guy versus girl sort of campaign that was going on. But okay. you just reminded me about their first ever misstep, which was the Trevor <laughs> Noah campaign with the 4GS thing. Which oh, yes, four great in, the, in the Eastern Cape. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, in the Eastern Cape, yeah. Campaign, dude. I was still up in Joburg at that time, and there was a massive yeah, billboard in Southampton. Yeah, no, 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 but they claimed to have built the first 4G network, but it was like a fake 4G network, and they did yeah. it in the Eastern Cape, so no one could really test it. You had to rely <laughs> on what you were hearing coming out of the Eastern Cape, which is not, you know, the most reliable source of high-tech information. Yeah. Then, uh, so there was the, the four great service, um, the Trevor Noah campaign, then there was like this whole thing of like not paying your actual working staff but you are taking out like massive amounts of advertising then it was like that weird investment in content creation where it was like celsi black yeah. and you're like oh, yeah. can wow man really that must have cost billions of rand that whole plan i mean they they tried to launch a sort of a netflix style yeah or you eat digital content offering called black which you would and subscribe to for a small edition fee horrible. and it just went absolutely nowhere i don't think it was such a bad idea they just needed to have two hit shows which they somehow couldn't pull off man if they'd gotten two hit shows like an igoli or something like that yeah. it may have made the thing you know yeah i don't know i, I just oh. think that there was like just milestones on their path to absolute ruin but talking about yeah, I, Talking about streaming, Gavin, um, in the Samsung South Africa presentation, there was this big thing made about like NFC transfer the content that's playing on your phone to your Samsung Series TV and like all this about like streaming content from your phone to your TV. Gavin, why is this only becoming a thing now? Why are entire marketing campaigns hinging on something we've been doing for years? And can we give people a cheaper alternative to buying a new TV to get content from their phone to their TV? So, I mean, it's tricky, okay, because I think there have been a couple of conflicting industry standards that made things very hard. So the uh, the Google Chromecast entered the market as a sort of a, a product with a sort of a generic brand name like Kleenex or Hoover or something like that. It was a product name synonymous with actually a service. So Google made a product that you could use to do this, but eventually that product got incorporated into people's TV sets as well. So you didn't have to buy an aftermarket accessory. So Chromecasting was Google's version of this. But before that existed, there was Mirrorcasting, which yeah. was the original uh, system to get uh, content mirrored to your phone. Yes, M-I-R-A, Mirrorcast. Yeah. to get content from your phone to your TV. And I think they had an industry standard, but then all the TV manufacturers tried to implement it differently and they gave it their own name. So I know Sony's one was called Mirror with the proper word mirror and not yeah. Myra, for example, and so on, you know, and, and they all kind of, I think, messed it up because it wasn't a standard and reliable service like Bluetooth or something like mm. that where everything is fully interoperable. I think that's how they messed that up, man. Whilst by now, everything would just be able to be cast onto a TV, I suspect. Yeah. 
So I use I use a Chromecast, which is plugged into my TV in my bedroom. Um, the TV in the lounge has the Apple TV plugged into it. So there we use AirPlay um, to do these things. And then my sisters were wanting a solution to cast Netflix to a TV and not have to watch it on their little phones. And then I gave them a dongle that I had laying around, which was kind of an off-brand sort of thing. And that is Mirrorcast enabled. Um, okay. And like in the Huawei, in the Huawei drop-down menu, quick settings menu, there is a screen share um, option there, and that works natively on Mirrorcast. And I notice now. Oh, that I see. Wide, so, yeah. so, so Huawei is using as close as it can to the industry standard for that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? That's why it seems to work with generics. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cool. Um, and then now wireless decks also transmits via Mirrorcast yeah. as well. So for me, just getting a little cheap dongle, which looks like a Chromecast, but isn't a Chromecast that you plug into your TV, is now going to be the ultimate solution. And you don't have to like buy into the marketing and spend 50,000 Rand on a new TV. Okay. Now, interesting you mentioned DeX because I'm about to test that desktop replacement service on the new Huawei phones. Yeah. And it says it, it, it also can cast that system cordlessly to your TV. So, again, it's probably using the Huawei share mechanism yeah, to do that. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm just saying like we've more. been doing it for a while. There are many different options. If you on, if you on iOS, if you have an iPhone or an iPad, um, using AirPlay would be the best. So of the new LG TVs and the new Samsung smart TVs from like 2018 onwards should have AirPlay now available. Um, if Built not in. that, then, then get an Apple TV and that's the quickest way you're going to share that. If you are just on generic Android phones, getting a Mirrorcast dongle, um, I will have one after Gavin's how-to tip for you. Okay, so here's what I discovered. This is a completely useless tip, but I hope you will get into it. Okay, we've been touting the Edge browser for some time. The Edge browser is Microsoft's own web browser, which is slowly, in our mind, technically caught up with Google's Chrome and, in our mm. opinion, surpassed it. Its features, its speed, all sorts of things, works great on phones, works great on PC, and so on. And then we had load shedding. So I'm in my browser, and we have load shedding, and I don't realize it's load shedding. And I'm trying to open a website and it won't open the page. And what it gives me instead is the thing that Google used to give you, the little dinosaur that ran along and jumped yeah. over the cacti. You guys remember that? Except that the Microsoft version of this has these guys on surfboards. So you pick your avatar character and he surfs down the screen on his surfboard, weaving in and out of obstacles. It's your time waster while you wait for the internet to come back on. Very, very oh, cool. cool. So... So do try the surfing game in the Edge browser. It's a kind of an Easter egg thing. You only get it when you lose your connectivity. And it's great for load shedding, for example. I suppose your computer won't be on during load shedding, so you might not see it. But if you lose the internet, you'll be able to surf down the screen with your guy. Okay. Okay. And the obstacles get more and more sophisticated. You kind of first you're trying to get around coral, then there's buoys, then there's other surfers, then there are ob objects in the water. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that was quite a fun find for me. Spent about those, 15 those, minutes. Those things are pretty cool. Um, Gavin, yeah. I have for you the Anycast M2 Plus Wi-Fi Display TV Dongle Receiver. And that is currently okay. 290 Rand on Take-A-Lot. And it's in stock in Joburg and in Cape Town. Um, but now, okay, now hang on a second. If I buy such a dongle, 
are you saying that I should Chromecast to it from my phone, from my Android phone, or what? Um, you just use the screen sharing option on your Android phone. Right. So if you go to your quick settings, there should be a screen sharing or mirror screen um, option, and you long press that, and then it will take you to... So obviously you've plugged this thing in, and right. you've powered it up with a power cable, and it's plugged in via HDMI um, yeah. into your TV. And then you just search for it, and it should come up, and you should connect directly. Um, so that will then create a peer-to-peer -peer network between your phone and the thing, and you can then cast, you can share your screen to the TV, and then it will auto-resize to landscape when you're watching landscape content on it. Um, right. It also okay. claims to work with Apple's AirPlay as well. Yes, which we take with a pinch of salt because Apple doesn't just let any old person <laughs> like license their stuff. And actually, you have to pay Apple, as I understand it, to license yeah. AirPlay, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or okay, so go, connect it run to your that... Wi-Fi and then use DLNA, which is... Right. It's, it, you'll get a little uh, screen share. You know that Chromecast um, little symbol when you're watching Netflix? There's a little thing that pops up when you share are... Share symbol, yeah. Yeah, if there's something on the network that can share like that, you'll get yep. that little pop-up, and then you can just click on that. But that is the Anycast M2 Plus. Um, let's get the full one. Anycast M2 Plus Wi-Fi Display TV Dongle Receiver. 290 Rand right now on Take-A-Lot. Man, for 290 Rand, you will get huge amounts of functionality looking for content to watch on your phone and simply flipping it onto the TV, but the press of a button. It's that simple. It really is. It's a kind of magic when you get it right for the first time. Yeah. But really, it turns your phone experience into a big screen experience for 290 Rand. Great value. Good one. Um, while you're there, could you maybe throw us the price of a typical Google Chromecast? Ooh, that's or a thousand that a complicated... now, Gavin. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> And that's made by Google and, uh, yeah. yeah. But it's a gray import currently. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Google doesn't officially ship them here. But they really are another way to throw things instantly at the TV. Really works. So our little vlog where we went out and we tested 5G, um, that is up on that opinion guy on YouTube. Um, <laughs> the action camera story is going up this week as well. You can catch that and everything else on thatopinionguy.co.za. Gavin, what's going on with Tech Radar okay. and the largest consumer technology publication on shelf, Tech Magazine? That's right. Um, yes, we, we're busy making a couple of videos. One of them is of the Microsoft Surface Laptop 3. So Microsoft Surface is Microsoft's premium mobile devices where they demonstrate to the market how mobile devices could be made, or that's the position anyway. And the Laptop 3 is a very, very sexy beast. We think it has some limitations, and it's not as far ahead in the laptop game as it used to be. But we've made a video just to demonstrate some of its best features, and that will be available on Tech Radar uh, later this week. Okay. Sweet.